This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, Georgie, check for Dadsy. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. <laughs> only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms supply. See mcdonalds.com. Leicester City have a penalty kick in the sixth minute of injury time. Injury time. Injury time. Look out, takes. Almunia saves. Look out, follows in. Almunia saves again. And now one minute on the counter-attack. Forest Listening to the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast. I'm Justin. I'm Cop. And I'm Peter. Well, we are in the first week of the transfer window being closed. The players we have at our disposal are the players we've got to the end of the season. So, how was it for you, Carlos? How was the January transfer window for you? Like a cold dinner. Like a cold dinner. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't expecting too much out of it, if I'm honest. We got what we probably set out to get a, a striker. Yeah. And, and we, we kept hold of Matty Pollock, which I don't know if that's been anything to do with the manager appointment over at Aberdeen. But yeah, underwhelmed, I don't know. But with everything that's going on at the club at the moment, it's hard to put a, a pin on the board to say if it's a success or not. Based on the performance that I saw at the weekend, I would say not. But we will see. <laughs> we will see. Yeah, for me, the hysteria that surrounded the whole Dennis coming back thing was just so <laughs> overblown and over the top. It was just ridiculous. I was expecting to see his first bowel movement since he got back posted up as some sort of video. Yeah, I think it just shows the sort of direction and ambition of the club, really, that transfer window. I think that, to me, says we're happy with mid-table mediocrity. We've got no ambition to do anything else and please come and buy the club someone. I think that's pretty much it. Although, I mean, you know, the transfer windows all round the championship weren't exactly uh, a blaze, but um, yeah, complete lack of ambition for, for my money. Peter? Well, certainly around the championship, no real mega buys were, were done, but on average, there weren't that many people who set the world alight. I think probably Ipswich would be the team to look at for somebody who stepped up and did a lot, but they didn't do that much having come up 
um, in in the summer window, but they went and got Al Hamadi from from Wimbledon, who a lot of people have been pointing towards as a striker. They also went and got Kiefer Moore, that player who has been linked to seemingly about thirty five percent of the championship at some point this season, including ourselves, wanting to him to go on loan. He went back to one of his old clubs, which is Ipswich, and of course he came on forty five minutes at the weekend. Ipswich did lose, but he did score two goals in the in that one forty five minutes. So that's that's a reasonable thing but people might point out that Ryevich did that at Coventry but but there we'll see joining those two together is a fairly kind of important thing we've got little or no cutting edge up front we have a large number of attacking midfielders who can play in one of two spots we've basically got six who can play in that in, in one of those two positions as we currently play I was banging on for the last couple of weeks about maybe having a look at 4-2-3-1 because it would fit the squad that we've got so I was quite pleased that with that change on the half hour he did actually change Val changed it to a 4-2-3-1 of sorts because Kone sat deep but then pushed on quite a bit as well so it was like well I think if you're playing a 4-2-3-1 then at least you've got You've got basically one player, or you've got two players, I should say, for each one of those positions. If we're playing the 4-3-3, as we have done, with Livermore at the base and two number eights, as you might call them, in midfield, and if we're looking at those players having the profile of Kone and uh, Kone and Tom Delibashiru, whilst we're waiting for KMB to come back, and th- then basically we are down to very kind of small numbers in there. And I think you can see that because of the number of games that they have played basically since the, the back end of your middle you know, the Christmas period, realistically. And somebody put up a, a, a quite interesting thing about the number of minutes that have been played or the number of games, I should say, that have been played by Watford, the, the Watford team. And very few of them have played 20 games or more. And the question was, well, really? Should that, why are they so tired? He's actually rotated quite a lot to our frustration on occasions, and he's made substitutions for players when you've been going, why have you taken him off? Well, he's preserved their numbers, but you wouldn't have known it from Saturday or from or from last week against Wednesday when the middle of the park looked a bit shot for inspiration. And Tom Delibashiru up at Hillsborough couldn't find a yellow shirt if he tried to pass to. So it's... It for me, the shortage in midfield was a huge thing. You've then got you've got Chak Fadadze covering the number eight, but also being out on the left. You've got other players covering other positions, such as Sierra is like he he doesn't get to to get the centre back shirt because he might be needed for the central defensive midfield shirt. Even though I think most people would probably say that he would be the one partnering Hoot, or many people would, I would suggest. And then you've got Deli Bashiru, who is at the moment covering for covering for Andrews now. It, it was interesting that after the window closed, that the day after we got told next week, i.e. this week, KMB and Ngakia will be back. So Ngakia apparently trained today, but he will not be travelling to Southampton for the FA Cup game. So, yeah, it's it didn't show any ambition. It showed a distinct lack of ambition, not doing anything in there to bring somebody in just to give us a, a bit more legs. Now, the question is, does Val not want them because he keeps coming out and saying, no, I want a small squad. But I don't even think Val wanted to cut it down from 24 to 22 players in his senior squad. I really can't believe that. No, It's also when you look at his substitutions, there's no impact. So there's clearly not enough depth in that squad for me. There's just no. nothing changes. And I heard somebody say against Cardiff in the second half, we, we were better. I don't think we were better. I don't think we really caused Cardiff too many problems. Cardiff came with a game plan like they very much did at, at 
at their place and just choked us out. And we had nothing. And there's nothing going forward. Dennis needs to be down the middle. That's where he's going to cause problems. He looks like a fucking lost ostrich with a... <laughs> I don't know what the fuck he's doing at the moment. But, it, yeah, I just... It, it is all. It is very underwhelming and, and just a very, really... And that, that defeat against Cardiff, anybody that was with me at the game, I called it before the game. I said, I just don't fancy us today. Based on that mm. performance against Sheffield Wednesday, it just seems a lack of something in there at the moment. A bit of bite. I think you sim- yeah. something you just said there, Peter, is a bit of bite in midfield. This doesn't seem to have... We just don't seem to have that and be able to turn teams over and get on the front foot. And that's, what we're, mm. that's what we're lacking at the moment. The, the other thing that happened on the, on the final day was the permanent signing or the announcement, shall we say, of the permanent signing of Jack Fatadze. Now, it may have been, and a lot of people have said, well, maybe that was the club trying to give everybody something to have, to have again, put something out on the uh, on the social media side. But the impact of saying we have permanently signed a player that we didn't have to sign on that final day, the effect of that is everybody's looking at the squad and going, well, that then means that we've got two loan slots available. Surely they've done that Why have we done because with well, it? Yeah, yeah. well, we presumed that that was going to be. So everybody waiting on till 11 o'clock just to go, oh, no, it really was just to say, look, we've done something, which was disappointing. You then had, obviously, Andrew Andrew French came back down from Sheffield where he'd been conducting his <clears> – <throat> he, he does a blog for the day. Personally, I, I if – and this is my supposition. Andrew French travels up and down the country following – there's no – question about the man's work rate and there's no question about the man's output if Andrew thought there was a sniff of a player coming in on transfer deadline day I don't think he would have done his blog from a Sheffield hotel room and then come down the following morning for the basically for a for a press conference to find out why nothing had happened the day before I would be surprised at that because he's got too much commitment not to be there if something was happening. And bearing in mind, he's already done a couple of these transfer deadline day stakeouts at the at the training ground. If actually they were going to sign something, he wouldn't be there. I don't think he'd be happy. So I, I didn't think that once I saw that, that was going on, I was maybe putting two and two together and coming up with 87. I don't know. But it just made me think, really? Because if they were going to make a signing, who would you want most there as a club? Yes, you put your social media stuff out. The, the Watford Observer and Andrew is the conduit to the fans. That's who you'd announce it. And if he's not there, then, you know, you don't have to rush back, do you? No. Well, there you go. So as of now, then, as of the, the time we're recording now on the 5th of February, where are we going to end the season? Which position, Carlos, in the table? If we finish top 10, I'd be happy. Based, based on what I've seen, I, I think, yeah, mid-table, well out of the playoffs. I, we're not involved in the playoffs as far as I'm concerned. I think the, the stretch is too much now. There's too many teams above us in form. So, yeah, if you, if you give me top 10, I'd, I'd probably take that. Peter? I'd snap your hand off for top 10. I think we're going to be 14th because the Pozzo's lowest up until now has been 13th, which was the season after Do Not Scratch Your Eyes. Mm. I, I think, and, and it's no reflection of, of the players in the squad and lots of people have said, why are you moaning? It's disappointment. It's seeing what's there and wishing more could be done. However, we have to balance that off with obviously financial prudence and sometime between now and the end of March, we will get to see the most recently released accounts. So we will see whether or not all of this not spending money is because there is no money to spend, or if there is, it's just prudence and we are absolutely pulling it back in. I've, I will take sustainability and prudence over, over making a transfer deadline by 
every day and twice on on Thursdays as it was. My one complaint was the fact that the making of the signature of Jack Patanze gave me hope, and we all know it's the kills. So which is worse then? Now we'll, we'll finish transfers after this one. Which is worse? The old days where we just signed players for the sake of it, never saw them play. <laughs> Some of them played one match and then we never saw them again. Or not signing anybody and having a really quiet transfer window, which is worse. To put it in perspective, it, it, it's a little bit going back to what Peter just said there. We don't really know what the behind the scenes looks like in terms of finances. So to answer the question, I think it's worse now that we're scratching around for, for players. And we can see there's areas of the team that need attention. The midfield is is one of those. The striking situation, I, I, I still say, could have been better. But I think it really depends on what's going on behind the scenes in terms of finances. But at least when we were signing players that we only saw once or twice, we had depth in that squad. We had somebody that you could just pull out of a bag and go, and I use players that are, were shit for us. Someone like Panyaranda. He used to come on, he used to run around a little bit and give a f- and then off he went, played a couple of games. Isaac success. Fucking hell. I'd have Isaac success back at the moment. That's don't how bad it is. Just back it up and don't call <laughs> this. Now there's a contentious statement, isn't it? Blimey. Exactly. It is yeah. contentious, but it's but that's how I see it because <laughs> You know what? I used to moan and moan and piss on this very podcast that he used to just run down alleys and get fucking lost and not know what to do with the ball. But at least he ran. At the moment, we get the ball in midfield, and you can just see the players go left to right. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Then it goes back to the keeper. Fuck <laughs> off. I honestly don't know if either of you two watch his friends, right? The American sitcom. To- Okay. I used to. There, there was an episode in it, and it was it was set on Thanksgiving Day, and there's six people in there, and basically it all comes out that the brother and the sister, Ross and Monica, used to play for what was called the Geller Cup, which was a troll nailed to a piece of two-by-four. It was the kind of piece of shit that only the family really cared about. And so they ended up going and playing three-a-side touch American football, right? And normal rubbish ensues. And it turns out that Rachel, Jennifer Aniston, very pleasing on the eye, I may just mention. They just kept, they because she couldn't catch, they just went, you go long. And they just go, oh, come on. What do I do when I get there? Keep going. And it's basically just get out of the way. Just get out of the way. I'm fairly sure Ryevich has the same instructions on the tactics board. because <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with it. We are building up and it goes to the right back. What you need to do is jog slowly towards the near post. When it goes to the left back, jog slowly towards the near post. I sat and just watched him primarily when we had possession. And there was no dynamism. There was no trying to get him his way into it. It was just, oh, crikey. Holy hell, it was bad. He's like buying an ice cream and just watching it melt. That's how he makes me feel. (laughs) It's just, honestly, he scores goals in that six-yard box. He'll he'll get something on it. The tip of his cock, there'll be something. But apart from that, anything outside of the box, he just does nothing. Fucking irritating. Have we had a striker like him before? I'm trying to think if we ever had a striker like Ryovic before that just doesn't do anything other than pop up into the six-yard box. (laughs) Some people have mentioned Steve Butler. And I'm going to use a, I'm going to use a sentence I never thought I'd see coming. In fairness to Steve Butler, 
No, it, it's just, it, it's got to be in such a precise way and laid on such a plate for him that, that that's what he does. But he just doesn't yeah. do, and he doesn't have the skill set to do the rest. They're, they're clearly trying to work on it, but it just isn't there. The thing that I felt bad when we changed to that kind of pseudo 4-2-3-1 was we did that and we made the change and we brought Ryovich on. So we were playing 4-2-3 and Rachel, you go long. It was just, there was nothing there to, to, to play off. Now, if you're going to play with one up front in a 4-3-3 or in a 4-2-3-1, the majority of the time, that player who is the single focal point up front plays with his back to goal. You look at most teams, and the Spaniards were doing this loads and loads about 15 to 20 years ago, this 4-2-3-1 business or whatever. They'll do an awful lot with their back to goal. And what's happened is slowly, as football has evolved, they've changed that forward to a, to a, a more kind of finisher, but with really good movement and touch. So, for example, uh, Lewandowski having gone to Barcelona is a, is a great example of that. You look at Benzema. He's not a six-foot-five, but he can do the bits and bobs, and then he can run in and get off of it. We we have, we have basically bought. He's never going to be no. mentioned in the same. <laughs> my, well, that's my point. That's my point. We've bought a player who who is set up for two thousand. Well, nineteen ninety four football because basically we're going to lump it, try and jump and head it, and he doesn't do that. But what we're trying to do is play like we we're going to go and bounce off of you because you're going to play well with your back to goal. You've got to be strong. You've got to basically be able to hold off the centre backs. He's got no idea as to stop how to stop a lumbering, hulking centre-back from the championship, of which there are many just coming through him. He just looks pod constantly surprised that they go in and they nick the ball away. It's been too much of a leap for him. And yes, every time he scores a goal, such as against the other day against Chesterfield, everybody goes, oh, brilliant. You can make that run into that position. Guess where that run was? Jogging into the near post. Because <laughs> that's what he does. Yeah. Yep. Okay. No, so All so right. that yeah. we we missed out on that, and we've got other players like Czech Fatadze and various others who are covering for two positions. And if like against Sheffield Wednesday, where we played him wide left, and we also made him Czech Fatadze, so he's playing left wing, and he was also in charge of set pieces. If you remember on the day, not to any real discernible improvement anywhere from set pieces. Obviously, we couldn't change him. We couldn't say right, Kone's legs have gone tonight. Swap him in because. He was doing something else, and we could we we weren't seemingly prepared to swap him. Really, it comes back down to as starting eleven, and exactly as Carl says, from the bench giving Valerian options. He's done amazingly well to get what he has out of this squad. It's not perfect. He is not perfect, but he's doing a reasonable job of making a, if not a silk purse, maybe, I don't know, something polyester, something cheap, inexpensive. <laughs> I don't think we'd spring for silk out of a sow's <laughs> ear. Hi, this is Derek Payne, and you are listening to Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. 
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. <whistles> at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. All right, let's let's take some questions from Twitter, shall we? Recording on Monday night, we are playing Southampton tomorrow. So this question comes in from at Simon Watford FC. Do we want to beat Saints and then go to Anfield, or is it better just to lose on Tuesday night? I, I want to beat Saints, but I don't think we will. I don't. I generally don't think we will. I think we had our opportunity at Vicarage Road, but yeah, of course we want to beat Saints. I've often thought to myself, it'd be nice to go back to Anfield to see the aggregate score turn from eighteen. <laughs> you and your aggregate score, yeah, please, yeah, which, yeah, uh, please, yeah. Please see Luton video for further details. But yeah, no, of course you want to. Of course you want to beat Southampton. I just, I'll be really interested to see the team he puts out. I don't think it will be a strong side. So yeah, and and, and I think Southampton are on a run at the moment and at home. I just think they've got too much for us. What do you think, Peter? Well, as we speak today, the announcement has come up that, yes, Ngakia won't be travelling. We knew that, obviously. We didn't think he was going to be, bearing in mind it's his first day back in training. But Dennis is also not going to be travelling, which is an odd one because... He looks injured. He looks injured. <laughs> he keeps holding his thigh. Well, the question is, did he take a did he take a niggle? Did he take a knock? Are we introducing him and Semmer back too early because of the dearth of, of, of bodies in the squad? I think anybody who'd seen... Semmer's last three appearances will go, he would not in ordinary circumstances be back at this moment in time. And therefore he's playing through a barrier, shall we say. Maybe the pain, maybe the fitness barrier that's not quite there yet, but he's there. And I think when we saw the the first two appearances from Dennis, we thought, yeah, that's the same thing. He absolutely isn't there. We come back to, you know, Andrew's questions to Valerian Ishmael when he said about, well, the transfer window is shut. You said you wanted to have players who would you know only want players if they came in and were ready. And obviously Dennis ain't ready. How is it? And it was like, well, no, we knew. And he was training all the time. Or, or yeah, this was what, what come out. And he's made the sacrifices. And he has made the sacrifices from what we can tell. A fair play. He wants to play for Watford. Good on him. No problem with that whatsoever. But the suggestion was that all the time he was with Basaksa here of, of, of Istanbul, he had been training. He's been training. He's in good nick. He's in good nick. And then we saw him against Chesterfield and went, oh, Jesus Christ. He's not, is he? So what we need <laughs> is to get him match fit. Now, I'm, I'm going to set this out as a trick question. What do you think you need to do to get match fitness? Play matches. Yeah. Well, so yeah. there must be a level of protecting him. I'm not saying they're making a bad decision. I'm saying there must be a, an element of, as you say, he may have picked up a little niggle or a strain. You quite often get that coming back from either coming back from injuries or trying to play. You know, he tried to play him for half an hour the other day. I was quite pleased with him. I thought we started to see little glimpses of him bursting through and going, oh, okay. Yes, okay. It went to Ratchet. And yes, when better positioned, he did blurt the ball into the rookery. But hey, that puts him in the good company of every forward we've had this season. So it's you wait and see. But do I want us to beat Southampton? Yes, because Russell Martin is a smug twat. And being a smug twat, it takes one and no one. But do I want to go to Liverpool if we're going to get some stupid drubbing and drain the already thin squad, despite the club presumably going, oh, half half the fees of a full Anfield? Yes, we'll certainly have that because it would be worth it would be worth decent amount of money to them they wouldn't otherwise get. You can understand why somebody might go, yeah, we we want to try and go for it, but if they're settling between I don't know ninth optimistically and fourteenth in the championship then maybe they would look at the FA Cup and go, well, maybe it is worth a little 
slot at but, it. But we know who we've got next, right? <laughs> so, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, but that's actually the prize. You've got to remember, we've got players here who haven't been going up to Anfield for the, for, for four years and getting repeatedly pumped. They might be quite excited at the prospect of going to Anfield and, and trying to play in the old traditional way of it being a cup and us being the kind of the giant killers, potentially. That still has got a huge amount of appeal to players even now because they go, oh, I'll be seen, I'll be looked at, and if I perform well I've got a chance to, to, to move myself onwards that's not necessarily what everybody wants to hear when we've only got three think, bob, three bob and a pickled egg in the back four but it's yeah I think it's truth. more of a, a third round or a final tie though isn't it you don't want Liverpool in the fifth round do you really it's not really the, the round that you want them in you want them in an early round or at the end of the the uh, the competition, in my opinion. I, anyway. don't you want, I don't think you want Liverpool at Anfield, generally speaking. That's like playing against 12 men. Yeah. You, yeah. T- you take what okay. you get. You take what you get. Do I want that? No, not especially. We all went up to, to, to Anfield in November. And if we do manage to get through, all I'm saying is, everybody, don't trust the pies. Don't trust the pies. <laughs> What's on, what it suggests is on the outside possibly isn't. Just saying. Yeah. No, that, that, those scars run deep. Okay. Yeah. There, there, there is a question that's come in from Andrew Argent, which he actually put to Andrew French. He's literally posted this while we've been recording. Let's make this quick. I think you know where I'm going with this. I'd like you guys to rate each manager from the Pozzo era out of 10 and a one-word review, right? So this is going to be quick. It's out of 10 and a one-word review, right? We'll go Peter, then Cole, then me, right? Okay, here we go. Gianfranco Zola, Peter. One, five foot three. (laughs) Cole. Eight. Great football. Yeah, I'll go seven just for the – it's one word, isn't it? DD, there you go. Oh, that's um, good. You're the only person who went with one word. These were our rules on against Cardiff when we spoke to Ben, and they've been forced back on us. And so far, Carl and I are refusing to comply. Carl, solidarity. I, I won't comply. Yeah, <laughs> well I done. Won't comply. How to, how to <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. I, I just wanted this to be fairly quick. Okay. Who remembers Giuseppe <laughs> Sanino? Giuseppe Zanino. Okay, yes, Peter. Yes, he looked like, the, looked like the guy off the Monopoly board. He did very much look like that, yes. So Mark's out of 10 and a brief comment about Giuseppe. Four out of 10. Bellini. Okay, Carlos. Three out of 10. Fell over at Nottingham Forest. Did he? Uh, yes, I'll go five out of 10 average. So we next go on to, well, here we go, Oscar Garcia. Oh. <laughs> Good luck. Oh. How many games did he match? I can't remember. Two out, uh, out of ten. Two out of ten. <laughs> Cardiac. <laughs> Cardiac. Carlos. Uh, 2.5 out of ten. NHS. <laughs> yes. It was so brief. I don't even remember how many games he managed. I'll just go three out of ten. Yeah, retired. McKinley, I think he had even less matches. So good luck with Billy. He had two games. He had a 1 1 draw against Brighton, who were literally begging to be beaten under Sammy Hoopier. No, he drew that game. He should have won it because they were honestly, uh, they were that. awful. And, and then we played Brentford, went a goal down. And then if you remember, Vidra got an absolute Vidra. blinder yeah. of a goal. So when Billy McKinley, I'll say two out of ten interim. Goal. One out of ten lost. Yeah, I'll go one out of ten and then 
Meh. That was the month, by the way, September, October 2014, when we had three managers in a month. It was just crazy. Okay, Kike Sanchez-Flores, he came in June 2015. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. You're quite right. This only a small one. Only a small one who won his promotion. He got us promoted. (laughs) Let's dismiss the guy that got us promoted, shall we, and go on to Kike (laughs) Sanchez-Flores. Look, I'm doing this on Wikipedia. And there's been so many who can blame me. You've done very well. You're doing very well. You're doing very well. And I apologise. We apologise that your fat thumbs fucked it up. Never mind. So Absolutely. If I'd have done this on my iPad, it would have worked better. Okay. So Savlich, whatever his name was. Savlicha Yakanovich. This is going well. I haven't even had a drink. Uh, Okay. So he he joined us in October 2014. Let's have a mark out of 10 for Yakanovich. I'm going to go 9 out of 10. He loses one for his first four or five games that were a bit all over the bleeding place, but he then got it going. And I'll say, tactically versatile. Yeah. I was yeah, was. Nine, nine out of ten, tactician. Oh, that's a good... Yeah. He's beaten me on the one word count there. Smug. Yeah, isn't he? I'll, I'll go nine out of ten for motion. <laughs> now we go on to Kike Sanchez-Flores, first appearance. Kike uh, Sanchez-Flores. Lo, 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 lo. Okay, Peter. Six out of ten, knitwear. <laughs> Oh, he had a fine range of cardigans that looked like they were jackets, but weren't. They were cardigans. It was the kind of it was the kind of knitwear that we only then finally saw years later with Pep. Just saying. Yeah, he yes. was the first manager we had that wore trousers and trainers together. I yes, it, it was. It, yeah, it, that threw me. Kiki Sanchez, for, um, seven out of ten kept us up Premier League. Yeah, yeah, I'll go seven out of ten beard, but I think <laughs> beard. Yeah, that's, a, yeah. that's not reducing his achievements to the barest minimum, is it? <laughs> I've, I stood in very close quarters to Kike Sanchez Flores, and you just immac- thought beard. It was immaculately trimmed, I have to say. Yeah. And there's a, there's a picture of me. So my youngest was a mascot against Man United in the first season, and it, it was like that. Years and years ago, my eldest was a mascot, and it was great. You could go in the dressing rooms, or you could go. There was a room for the parents, and there was food and drink. All changed. There was like, no, you get nothing now. You just stand there and be quiet. And we had BT Sports in that day. And there is, I've got a still where Flores is being interviewed on BT Sports, and I'm on my phone in the background, and someone texts me and goes, "You are in the background right now." And there is a, there is me holding my phone, and I. And there is it. And I was very close to him. A marvellous beard. So I stand by my beard comment there for Sanchez. Yeah. Good luck with this next one. Walter Mazzari, July 2016 to May 2017. Walter Mazzari, Peter. Oh, dear. Two out of ten. Oh, blimey. No, he did keep us up, but he was like, no. Okay, no, I'll correct that. (laughs) One out of, no, sorry. Two out of ten. Cigarettes and Dower, <laughs> which yeah, should I'll have go, been an o- Oasis album, really. I'll go yeah. three out of ten. Boring. Yeah, it was boring, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Two out of ten, tedious. Okay, Marco Silva, May seventeenth to January eighteen. Seemed not as long as that to me, but there you go. Yeah. Marco Silva. I'm going to give him five out of ten, and my comment is schizophrenic because the first ten games were astonishing. The second games were dreadful. And overall, obviously, I think he's a traitor. Traitor. Like yeah, it. it's a good one. I'll I'll give him five out of ten as well. Snake. 
Yeah, so I'll give him five out of ten and go Everton. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I really thought you were going to go beard then for a minute, but never mind. No, <laughs> no I'm sorry. The only, the only decent beard on this list is Flores. It was absolutely superb. All right, manicured. okay. Take the man crush away. Carry on. <laughs> it was just a thing of wonder. Okay. Javi, grazie. January 18 till September 19. Goodness me, that's a stretch for a Watford manager. Let's have your summation of Javi, grazie. Seven out of ten, likeable. Yep. That's the most charitable I can be to anybody. Yeah. Eight, eight out of ten, very likeable. Yeah. Eight out of ten, FA Cup final. Okay. Can I, ju- can I just return. say, I did actually play with, am I going to go likeable or am I going to go overrated? And I went likeable in the end. Well, well done. Well done. Ooh, I think overrated might have been a bit. Uh, yeah, you, you, you'd have got letters. I oh, know. Okay, the return then of the beard, Keaton Sanchez Flores, who lasted from September 19 to December 19. The return of Kike. Was it any better second time round for you, Peter? Number between one and 10. I'll go with eight nil. <laughs> Eight nil <laughs> in his second game. No. I see what you've done yeah. there. Very good. No, two. It was all. It was all over the place. There was Arsenal gave us hope. Norwich, the, the Delefeu getting away and getting that goal, and then if I remember rightly, Andre Gray scored with literally a kind of a pirouetting back heel. It, all sorts of strange things happened. No, he was he was an unfortunate sequel. That's my phrase. Yeah. Okay, Carlos. Yeah, two out of ten mistake. Yeah, I'll go five out of ten, beard. Okay, Hayden, Hayden Mullins next, caretaker manager. We will return to Hayden shortly. Hayden Mullins, how many games do you, do you think he managed? Uh, I can tell you which games game. he managed, if you like. He managed one all draw with Crystal Palace and a 2-0 defeat away to Leicester first game. And then in his second one at the end, obviously, he had Man City and Arsenal. Are we doing his first spell, I presume? Well, we were, yes, because there is a quite significant. Yeah, we might not need to bother with that. Okay, Okay. now let's take Nigel. Let's take Nigel Pearson. Let's take Hayden Mullins both times then, because neither were particularly great. So Hayden Mullins out of ten, and a and a quick remark. Oh, I'm going to say seven out of ten, underappreciated. Okay, Carlos. I'm going to say three out of ten out of his depth. Hmm. Yeah, so I'm going to go around that sort of mark, sort of the two or three out of ten. Interesting thing about Hayden Mullins, maybe not interesting, I don't know. While he was playing for, I think, was it West Ham he played for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And Portsmouth. Yeah. Uh, Yes, Smooch Ring sold him his wedding ring. That's the wedding ring company that I do some work with. Okay, Nigel Pearson comes back. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, yeah. I try to get him a free advert per year on Wherever the podcast. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's Smooch Rings, smoochrings.co.uk. It's not okay. that. It's not that. I think we're taking, it's, we're taking issue with the word interesting fact, but never mind. Oh, uh, no, okay. No, no it's just I remember the guy who runs the business ringing him up once. <coughs> Hello, is that Hayden? I mean, Hayden Murray. Oh. Okay, well, Pearson, December. 19 to July 2020, the COVID period, or uh, the first part of the COVID period. How do we rate Nigel Pearson? Ooh, I, th- I, I think this is the ultimate schizophrenia because you have prior to Operation Restart and Operation Didn't Restart. So this is a, this is a bit similar to, to Silver in that respect. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go five out of ten for the same reason I did with Silver, and again say duality. Yeah. I like the word duality, yeah. Carlos. I'm going to go 7 out of 10 COVID. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to go. Can I change my word? You're going to say forearms. I'm going to say forearms. Forearms. Always forearms. (laughs) I knew you were going to say forearms. Honestly. Uh, Honestly. 
I'll go seven out then because there was that period where we seemed to beat Man United and Liverpool comfortably at home under him and it was just a joy to watch so yeah, yeah fondly remembered and West Ham notwithstanding may still be our manager perhaps maybe not okay after Nigel Pearson came the first manager that we started our podcast under can you remember who that is Carlos I oh, so it's, no who was it he was the first manager Vladimir Vlad. oh of course it uh, fucking was yeah that's, I've tried I to that's probably my memory that could be why we started it I think we yeah. need to talk about shite football that we're watching. Okay, yeah. so <clears throat> Vladimir Ivich, let's start with you, Peter. Three out of ten, but the three was he got it all right in one third of the pitch. So yeah. the, the back third, he got it. And I'm going to go, no, I'm going to go four out of ten because I think he deserves more credit. He set us up. Four out of ten, withering personality. <laughs> withering. Oh, yeah, that man could turn wine into vinegar, couldn't he? Yeah. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll go two out of ten, bulldog chewing a wasp. <laughs> okay I'll go five out of ten it was poor I've got to admit we did actually manage to see one of those in real life didn't we that we well did. you went to a couple I went to one and it was piss poor it was just all sideways and crap so yeah sideways there you go five out of ten sideways okay next armed with a Neil Diamond CD and a massive smile <laughs> in walked Zisco Munoz let's go for Zisco Peter seven out of ten Sweet Caroline. <laughs> okay. Carlos. I'll go eight out of ten character. Yes. I'll go, I'll go, I think, seven out of ten smiley. He always seemed to have a smile on his face, didn't he? Talking to someone who didn't have a, a smile on his face very much, we now move on to Claudio Ranieri. Peter. Ow. Ow. Save, save the really biting ones for Hodgson. Because he's, he's coming in shortly. He's coming shortly, yeah, we'll get him shortly. No, I, I genuinely think that Ranieri got away scot-free by being completely disinterested. I think for all Hodgson being shocking, I think he's had a suitable amount of clog for it. That, I think Ranieri gets away with it because he was in the middle. I would say two out of ten for the Everton performance, and I will call him, I would describe him as absentee landlord. <laughs> okay, Rigsby. I, Rigsby, yeah. I'll go two out of ten as well. Uninspiring. Yeah, I think I'll carry on with the two out of ten. And you know what? It always seemed to be raining when he was our manager. So I'm going to say rainy. Or rainy area, maybe. No, that doesn't work. Okay, now we move on to a man that was once approached by David Bernstein, the the main man. In fact, I'm sure David Bernstein's on this podcast somewhere. He might have a few words. David Bernstein is the former chief executive of the Football Association. I've gone to Roy Hodgson now. Yes, I've got the bleep button on standby as we discuss Roy. Peter. Three. Are we taking the piss? (laughs) Very good. Carlos. I'm going to go one. There's no other word for him. He's a cunt. Sorry. <laughs> Can I also point out that I only said three because it was the one I could do in the Roy accent. In the Roy yeah. I, needed, I needed something with an R in the middle. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. For me, one out of 10, possibly one of the worst managers we've I ever had. The miserable old man. Right. Hold on. I'd like to redraw. I'd like to redraw. Zero. Thoroughly unlikable. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'll go for. We thought about that. There's another R. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could have gone for. You could have gone for Queen Tees. <laughs> Let's go on to. Well, this is going to be interesting. May 2022 to September 2022. Rob Edwards. Mm. 
tough one, this. Yes, this is very tough. Hello, we are Luton Town, if you're listening. Yeah, hi, guys. No, no, it's it's fair enough. They've... (laughs) I mean, the, the problem is the the animosity towards him is because he's there and he's doing well and fair play. A lot of other fans say fair play. I, I you wish you at the time. I said, I'm fucking good luck. But anyway, leave that on the record. I said good luck. <laughs> okay. I did. I will say it. I will say it. I'm going to say four out of ten because I don't think he worked for us. I don't think it worked for us. And my one word is hell and high water. Oh, okay. Mm. Might be uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go five out of ten. Unfortunate. Yes, I think I'll go four out of ten and say premature because I just I could have knocked me down with a feather as I was driving into B and Q car park <laughs> and my phone rang. <laughs> what? Been sacked. Yeah. Okay. He was replaced by Slaven Village. I'm gonna find it difficult to remember anything about Slavin Bilic because I think I switched off by this point and almost withdrew my support for the club. Anyway, Slavin Bilic, September 2022 to March 2023, Peter. It's forgettable, isn't it? You really have to rack your brains and go, what impact did he have on the club? Uh, okay, well, I will I'm going to give it, yeah. Char- yeah. He was in charge for the Luton game at Absolutely. home. Absolutely, that is the moment. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the one that and, stands and, out. And I will say five out of ten and say highlights, which have been the Stoke game which obviously is a great start. And, of course, yeah. that one game, which was the highlight of the season, because let's face it, there was very little else. Yeah. Oh. I'll go... Yeah, I've got to go five as well. Polishing a turd. <laughs> okay. I'll go four. But one thing I did learn about him after he left is that he's a guitarist in a thrash metal band, and he just automatically mm. went up in my estimation after that. If you're ever up for a jam, Slavin, let us know. We'll um, we'll trade some riffs. We move on then to Chris Wilder. There's another man that you're going to find it difficult to be positive about. Let's go with you, Peter. March 2023 to May 2023. So it was a two-month stint. How do we wait? How do we rate Chris Wilder? I don't rate him as the manager of Watford, but I'm going to give him six out of ten because my one word is whistleblower. He actually turned round and stopped the bullshit and said this place needs a full cultural reset. And he didn't he didn't just come in and take the money. He actually sat there and said, I'm here, I'm in the role, and I need to do what might benefit this place next season. And I think he did that. So he has mine and I think quite a lot of Watford fans' gratitude has nothing to do with how the team performed. They all look like complete and utter strangers the whole time. But I don't think anybody was turning that lot around. No. Carlos, Chris Wilder. Yeah, five out of ten. A little bit on the back of what Peter said. Respect. Yeah, I suppose for that, yeah, he probably scores halfway up the ladder. But for me, his time will be remembered by... His reaction when Backman got sent off and he did that pained look on his face, so he grabbed the top of his nose and looked downwards. That, to me, is Chris Wilder's tenure summed up, just that pained look on his face. So, yeah, we that brings us on to Valerian Ismail then. We can probably judge him on how he's been so far. Peter? So I'm going to give him 8 out of 10, and my one word would be survivor because that's the number one aim of the game this season is to have one person whose plan you try to go to. But eight, if it was just in a normal situation, would probably be a six because his game management needs to be improved, but his squad needs to be improved. And and his substitutions in games are sometimes odd. His selections are sometimes odd. But he has that whole dressing room 
pulling seemingly in one direction. So that's why he's getting an eight. But I appreciate why some people look at him and go, oh, blimey, that frustrates me. I do understand. Mm. He is going to see the season out, isn't he? He is going to see the season out, and that's an achievement in itself. (laughs) Well, never never say that. Don't be saying that. (laughs) (laughs) That's the kiss of death if you've ever heard it there. I've just given them the vote of confidence there, the DNSYE vote of confidence. uh, Otherwise, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll get into May, and then Hayden Mullins' phone will ring. Could you do another two games for us? Uh, I'll give him a... I'll give him a seven. I guess unproven. What sticks out for me with him? Mm, yeah, I think probably somewhere in the middle, like a six. I, I just—it's been an improvement this season, as you say. You can see that on the pitch, and we're in—we are enjoying going to football. I just think he's lumbered with what he's got, and he's done, like you said earlier, Peter. He's made a perspex purse, or if it was, he said polyester, whatever it was, purse out of a sow's ear, uh, not silk, but something cheap, and you could buy at Bovington Market. Well, it, okay. it's odd. How do you rate a manager? How do you rate a manager who's got a football team who don't score goals you know, or forwards who don't score goals? How you've got basically wingers that you put them in who do not cross. It's it that there's real perplexity about some of the things that happen and the fact that he comes out and supports the regime and doesn't call it out. Bearing in mind what I said about um, you know, Chris Wilder there for calling that particular bit out. But I think we have to acknowledge that we're at a different time with with Val. He has been bought in for the season, not in 11 games and then you're out. Chris Wilder had that luxury of knowing it's here and no further. So we do need somebody who is, from a from the insider point of view, is a good corporate citizen. But we hear about how he's involved in the transfer discussions and the transfer talk. Well, we started this off talking about the transfer window that we've just had. We should also actually talk about the fact that we brought in Healy. He gone. Who else did we bring in last summer who's gone? It's just there's been there's it, last summer's attempt at everything. Saw a number of people saying, I think we're going to come down. And on paper, you could look at that and go, I can understand why. And he's got more out of them than that. So fair oh, play yeah. to him. But can he get higher than with what he's got? No. But does he come out and say, well, I needed more in order to do more? No. He's a good corporate citizen, which is what's going to keep him there. And hopefully nope. stop some of those of our friends who support other teams every time you see a, a corner flag coming up, not thinking it's us every single time. Small wins. What the heck? Well, just to finish that off then, and, you know, philosophy corner here, of the list <laughs> that I've just read you there, would any of those be doing a better job than Ishmael is right now? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Well, Ta- I like tactically, Silva and Jokanovic for me were the best two tacticians we had. One one got the, the team also playing, but he had everything look at his at the, door. Yeah, he did. But look where he was playing. He was playing in the Premier League. And, and at one stage, I think we were like fourth or whatever it was. The same thing with we Xavi in his, in his first full, in his only full season, really. Got everybody going in the right way, but tactically very inflexible. Whereas I think Marco Silva, as you, if, if you've got to look at what he's done with Fulham, he's done very well there. Yes, he's backed by, by Khan, who also owns... 
an NFL team, I forget now who it is, the Panthers or whoever it was. And it's, well, okay, he has got some finances to bet. He's not bursting the budget for it and he's doing well and he's performing well. I think he's I think he's good. Ironically, Jokanovic has been less successful since moving away from Watford. And I thought of all the team, you know, all the coaches that we see there, nobody made better in-game management changes than Jokanovic. And he would be really bold and he would change the whole shape and no, no more than the game that we eventually won promotion with against Brighton where he changed the oh, entire right. shape. And yeah. he took Anya off, didn't he? Anya was yeah. getting destroyed yeah. when he done that side. Absolutely. Changed it from a five to a four and stuck Tozer on. And it was like, ah. And then we were back in the game. And then, as we know, what happened? So it was a shame that was never taken further. The, the thing is, the thing that makes Val good is the thing that also frustrates me, which is that good corporate citizenship. I'm not denying that it's a, it's a bit of hypocrisy on my part or a, a paradox in a way. Is with with Yukanovich, he was like, no, this is what I want to have. This is what I think I'm worth. This is what I've done. And it was like, no, we, we don't think that you'll go to the next stage. Here we've got somebody who is a good corporate citizen. The Cubs clearly think they can work with him for however long we don't know. And that's what keeps him there. That's what gives him an opportunity to find have somebody there that maybe we can build season on season on season perhaps perhaps yes okay well there's one more question then there are there are a few others but let's just move on to something a bit lighter this comes from matthews 67 ben he of jarvis (laughs) he says let's be honest modern teddy is complete shite unless you like your soaps cooking dancing gardening or fucking diy which brings me to my question. If you could bring back one TV programme from your youth, which one would it be? Carlos, we'll go with you first. Uh, I would say, and I still love watching them now, but it has to be Only Fools and Horses. They don't, you don't make, they don't make them like that anymore. They don't. No, they don't. British comedy is, is still one of the best in the world. It, it, to be fair, it is the best in the world. Fucking Americans, shite. But there was uh, I'm going to counter that in a minute. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, so there, yeah. was a, there was a certain certain point where, you know, uh, things like a lower low and stuff like that. They were great programs. God, really? Have you watched that yeah. again since? Because I've I seen know, repeats that recently gone I know, but, now, but now you understand it, I think, a little bit more. My youth and your youth are actually a few years apart. <laughs> Done taken. Uh, um, <laughs> you know, American comedies leave me cold most of the time, apart from Curb Your Enthusiasm, which I think it, the, the, the 12th series started today. I've just watched it, the first episode, just superb. But Only Fools and Horses aside, I think there were some very good British comedies. I, I've got a few box sets of British comedies. Stuff that you go, really? You've got the box set of Duty Free? Yes, I have. <laughs> what? Because I actually, yeah, I actually really enjoyed that as a series. There are some very good character studies in that. The, the, the character David, what a complex character. Stuff like the uh, the rise and fall of Reginald Perrin, I yeah. thought was a superb series. Uh, some others do have them. Bottom. So I, I, bottom. I used to love bottom, bottom. Yeah, the young ones. Yeah, the young ones hasn't dated particularly well. I've watched that again recently and gone. Yeah, yeah. Forty Towers, One Foot in the Grave. These are all very good comedy programs that I, I absolutely adored. I know from my youth, I used to love stuff like creative programs like Art Attack and Heartbeat and Vision On, that sort of stuff. I'm absolutely shite at art. I couldn't draw a fucking bath. I haven't got a clue, but I enjoy watching art. Stuff like The Joy of Painting, Bob Ross. I love watching all that sort of stuff. So I'd bring one of those back, I think. Bob um, Ross. Bob, yeah, Bob Ross. Oh. Uh, you could just sit there and chill out for half an hour watching a bloke with the most ridiculous afro painting the most gorgeous picture. He stands there going, you could do this. And I'm thinking, fucking couldn't. Could I fuck? 
You probably won't remember this, Carlos, because you're. But at, at some point around the late 80s, somebody at ITV realised that actually on a Friday night, there was a whole audience coming in from the pub and they were either pissed or stoned and we just need to give them stuff. And you had like James Wales' show was like on at one o'clock or something. But they then also invented a thing called Get Stuffed which was basically oh, yeah. students. It was all flash cut and it was just generally awful and yobbish. But, but it was like they realised that they could put any cheap shit out because people were stoned and would listen to it. I'm fairly sure if they had found Bob Ross, first of all, they'd have just gone, oh, no, we just put this yeah. on a reel. That yeah, would have yeah. worked. That would have worked. I'm, yeah. I'm going to go for, I'm going to go for, you, you mentioned a couple of, a couple of, comedies there but missed a couple by omission situation comedies for me require a situation and the tighter and more more claustrophobic the better and i don't think there has been a better comedy per se than porridge which uh, was porridge. the uh, an amazing performance by ronnie barker and by richard beckinsale as lenny godber who was who shared his cell it's absolutely brilliant David like, Jason in that as well. David Why Jason not? was in yeah. there as Blanco, an eighty-five-year-old. He was about forty at the time. He That's was like, it. Yeah. he was like Sergeant Wilson being played by by Clive Wilson, wasn't it? Who, who was again much younger than he appeared in Dad's Army, for example. So I definitely go with Porridge. I just think it's outstanding, and it even has a film that has some wonderful things in it. I'd like to just point something out. I, I watch a lot of these walking tours on 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 YouTube. There's a guy called Jules. Guy. He mainly does that. I've known you for quite some time now, and you. You never ceased to amaze me. Well, thank you. Thank you. He he does one recently in St Albans. Now, normally he does London walking tours and he goes all around various parts of London, but this one he does St Albans. Did you know the prison frontis at the beginning when he goes, Norman, Stanley, Fletcher, you have been sentenced for whatever. That's basically a a municipal building in St Albans. Really? Yeah, HM Prison Slade is actually in St Albans. Go to Jules Guide, look up St Albans. It's one of the first things he mentions in it. The prison front that they used in that is in St Albans. Oh, there you are. There you go. Every day school day. It was also as a programme, the most successful programme by number of views at the time of when it was on, that didn't have an, a theme tune to open because of course it just walked through the shutting oh, of the doors and yeah, yeah. you have been sentenced to five years as you were a habitual criminal blah blah blah, blah. anyway enough of that nostalgia oh, they're, they're shift to- open all hours as well which was good oh. uh, if you, I think if you watch that back now you go how fucking slow is this oh it's just so slow and, I, and I'm going to get across to my second if it kills me I'm going to get across to my second I'll see your 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 open all hours if this was sitcom poker I'd be holding I'd be holding two aces here he's, porridge he's and blackadder blackadder uh, black yeah, was first series was terrible though oh no honest. i never got on with it yeah you never liked blackadder no i love blackadder but the first series i thought was awful i thought it was just no, too... i never got on with blackadder i think once um ben elton was brought in to tighten up the scripts and it was no longer shot on location it was done in the studio two three and four i thought was superb well two, two three and four were you're absolutely right they, they'd got it they'd honed it they'd done it. it before it was richard curtis and and rowan atkinson writing it and it was too loose it was too oh i'll say something funny or pull a funny face but as a, as a scene it's brilliant and episodes two sorry series two three and four 
do less twisting with history because, of course, if, if you recall, in Blackadder 1, it was a completely different conceit. It was basically what happens if Henry VII dies and is, yeah. ah, right, okay, we'll take it in a completely different direction. Whereas they did that, they reversed who was cunning and who was stupid in Blackadder and Baldrick, and it was brilliant. But it was one of those, one of those series where you probably learned more about history in those times, and bearing in mind, I was when when it was on. I was actually at school. I probably learnt more history in the Blackadder series than I did actually paying any attention in history myself. It says far more about me than it does anything else. But there you go. I'd go with no, those. I think. But you're right. That's another box set I've got. Is Blackadder. I'm a bit of a box set person. And yeah, the Christmas special as well, where they take the conceit of a Christmas Carol and turn it on his head so you basically got the nicest man in victorian london and they turn him into the most mean-spirited one i think it's just a work of genius so yeah i'm, I'm with you with blackadder but open all hours carl honestly watch it again now watching a man stammering and a bloke getting his fingers caught in a tilt yeah exactly it's, yeah, yeah. it's not like for one program but for, for, for a whole series <laughs> fucking hell yeah oh and th- it says, says yeah, the man with a box set of duty free jesus you might as well have el dorado on box set it's fucking <laughs> el dorado <laughs> <laughs> Look out duty free, and you'll notice that the, the character of David, the main protagonist, and him lusting after this Linda is actually is a very good sort of character study. There, was, I think. Yeah, yeah the honestly, one, honestly, what was the one in the gym? What was the one where it was set in a gym or like a? And she was always the receptionist. Oh, the British Empire. British Empire. Yeah. No, I worked with the guy who played Colin in the British Empire, a guy called Mike Burns. He did Panto and I was working the Panto at the time. And he always used to come up to me in the show and go, oh, have you got anything for heartburn? Unfortunately, I normally would have some Tums or something on me or some Rennies or something. Oh, I've got terrible heartburn. That's all I ever remember about him was he can go on about his heartburn. <laughs> Stop eating grease, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was. He stayed for a, a party one night and he left. He was supposed to be going home. He went, actually, no, I think I might stay for the party, lads. He left a, a cab on the meter and I think his journey home was three or four hundred pounds, but he just... <laughs> He wanted to carry on and party with us. So, yeah, and lovely guy, Mark Burns. So, yeah, the British Empire. So, the woman who's in the British Empire is now in EastEnders. Yes. She's playing Elaine. Chris Barry was also in Red Dwarf. Listen, this isn't about this isn't about sitcoms, is it? This is about football. I was going to say, I was gonna say whilst, it, whilst, whilst it is about football, I'm also going to give two honorary mentions. Sci-Fi, Blake Seven. Blake Seven was brilliant Ooh. and then fell away towards the end. And finally, and this is one that nobody, if anybody remembers this, I want to see if anybody does. We used to have like Saturday Superstore or Swap Shop or something like that. Bef- bef- that several times. Yeah. Well, be- yeah, of, course <laughs> of course you fucking were. Well, of course you were. You've got more pictures with famous people than famous people. This is true. This is true. Before that started off at nine o'clock, at about 8.30, Oh, crikey. Some Saturdays, because they never seemed to show a whole series of it. There was this French film thing that was then dubbed in that kind of horrendous oh, manner. Wow. And it was called The Flashing yes. Blade. The Flashing Blade. Do you remember yeah, the Flashing yeah. Blade? And it was that like, was great. nobody ever I quite guess. worked out what it was, because they seemed to just have bought the one episode and just kept putting it out occasionally. And I kept wondering if, well, where, where's the first? I could never find it. If anybody knows the missing episodes of The Flashing Blade, do let us know, because it ain't on YouTube. I know I've looked. I remember the flashing blade. Yeah, it was dubbed. Yes. Yeah. Oh, very badly. Fantastic. Well, that was a lovely trip down memory lane there for us all. Yeah, brilliant. There you go. Well, I think that's probably no. the end of this podcast. No. Oh, no. Hang there on. is one more thing I, I need to know. One, th- one more oh, thing I need to oh, say. Have you yet, Carl? Have you had your dinner yet? No, <laughs> you not yet. No, don't, worry. don't worry about me. I'm fucking interested <laughs> in getting anorexia. It's fine. <laughs> so yesterday I went down to uh, to Grosvenor Vale to see the, uh, the women play. It's been a difficult. It's been a, it's been a difficult season because there hasn't been like a regular run of games. It always seems to be like they have a game and then there's a break for a 
two weeks or what have you. And it's been a difficult season because Watford are the, having got promoted last season, we are the only semi-professional team in there. All of the other teams are literally pro. They are training full-time. And you did see the difference in the fitness levels uh, earlier on in the season. Despite some good performances, it just didn't seem to be enough. There was a game against Blackburn when we completely outplayed them and then they came forward and they had this six-foot-eight flower of a player who just came out and knocked it in and then they went back up to Lancashire with three points and no more no more needed than that. So it, it's, been a, it's been a tough one, assembling and, and, for want of a better phrase, amalgamating some of last season's uh, a team who've had a, a number of them have had injuries with the new players bought in and bringing it to... But things are starting to really seemingly turn at this moment in time. Having got gone away to Durham and got a win last week on Sunday against Birmingham City, who we'd played earlier on in the season and lost 5-2 uh, to at St Andrews, brought them down. It was a, a tricky game. Damon Lathrope started the game with Carly Johns, who's been really done well in the goal scoring side, but she's slight she's a little bit slight. She's a secondary striker. If and she's played alongside Michelle Agumang, who was on the bench. Now she's on loan from Arsenal and she wasn't playing. Ellie, Ellie, Ellie was playing and it was, we were staying in it, but it was, it was almost quite attritional. We got to about 25 minutes to go and he swapped and he bought on Michelle Agumang and Bianca Baptiste. Anybody knows, remembers Bianca Baptiste from last week? Yeah. She can play as a forward. She can play down the right wing. She's, she can absolutely create havoc when she's on the ball, either on the wings or through the centre. And, and they basically, this seemed to have been the game, was stifle them, stop them coming in, and then swapping the two forward players. And Michelle scored two goals, took both of them supremely well, nearly got a hat-trick with a, with a low uh, a set piece or a, a low free kick, which uh, the keeper did really well to get down to and get them their second game. Needless to say, next next week, I don't think they have a game. So it, it's, it's difficult to keep this momentum going, but they seem to be turning it around and, and making a real, real good fist of it. So as ever, we will let you know when they are going to be at home or away and, and keep you posted on things. But fingers crossed to them. And obviously they've got a general manager who, who not only owes us some brownies, but today with the Welsh management, she's been basically brought in by the interim manager of Wales in as part of the management team for Wales. So Helen Ward will be back on international duty, but this time on the bench rather than rather than with her playing boots Ooh. on, so to speak. So congratulations to her and good luck keeping on the the international trail, even though she's retired from playing. And now far too busy to cook some brownies. So we've missed our window of opportunity there for the Bake Off idea. Another one on the do not scratch your eyes pile of do. disused <laughs> ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Anyway, listen, it's getting late. Carl hasn't eaten. I suspect he needs a wee because it's been. No, I'm all right. Know, I, I'm all right. Okay. I'm right. right. just yet, checking so. in on your on your health I was, there. I was okay. responsible. Why are we yeah, worried about got... Carlos's uh, urinary situation? Well, but me, old, old huge bladder here. No, we won't ask about him. Old peanut bladder, yeah. <laughs> You've never complained about it before, Peter. Carl has. Hey, don't I worry. Drink, you had a bottle, don't worry. The bottle under the table. I tonight. have an emergency oh, bottle to hand. Bottle under the table. Okay. Yes. I'm not yes. showing you the bottom yes. of the bottle. 
thank you. Thank you very much. Because now we're moving on to Phoenix Nights if we're going to talk about comedies. Right. Let's uh, finish off there. Uh, thank you very much for listening to this load of old nonsense. Uh, once again, we'll see you down the bunker on uh, what day are we playing, Leicester? Saturday, is it? Yeah. Saturday. Let's, yeah, let's, do, Saturday. let's do Saturday. I never know these days. I, I just go, I look at my calendar and go, oh, it's Saturday. Yes. Yeah, so we'll see you down the bunker before the game on Saturday. Lovely to see so many of you down there before the game against Cardiff. Uh, it was well busy. There was a lot of people down there. So hopefully see you again then. Until then, we're going to sign off the usual way by saying you owns yeah what he said <laughs> what Carl said he said <laughs> <laughs> you owns you owns <laughs>90th minute all your mates around you got your mcnuggets share boxes ready to go your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget snatching all three points perfect order mcdelivery now on the mcdonald's app you in <whistles> at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery free in terms apply see mcdonald's.com and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage nissan townstar ev strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable no, just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search nissan townstar ev and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.